Hello, sexy nerds in the Nerd Imperium. Welcome to this week's episode of the Currently Nerdy Podcast. We are your inner conclave of nerdum. My name is Diz, and I am your pop culture and sports nerd, Ali. I am Ali, your classic nerd. And I'm being a comic nerd. Guys, why do you sound like you've got the sniffles over there? What? Why do you sound like you've got the sniffles over there when you said the comic book nerd? It almost sounded like you were you were sniffling into tissues or something. Yeah, it's because I'm sick of your shit. No, I'm only mm. kidding. Um, no, I don't know. I think it's... I, I'm not Are recording from my PC. Okay, so you're not coming so, down with anything. No, no, I think I, I'm good. Um, the, the only illness you have is that you're on a laptop. Yeah, I'm also... <laughs> I mean, other than my standard ill-tempered nature, uh, I think everything else is pretty healthy <laughs> other than my, you know, self-worth okay. and stuff. Well, but like... Just for future reference, apparently your your laptop makes you sound like you've got the sniffles. Okay, that's cool. It's the it's that new uh, it's that new audio filter I'm using to make me sound more sultry. I'm telling mm. you, there's gonna be a day. I mean, do you guys know that there was back in the day there was like periods of time in history where being ill was actually considered like a fashionable thing or looking ill. What? So the, I've heard yeah, that there before. Was. Where it's like yeah, that so like, gaunt look, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for, there was a period of time in the 19th, I think it was the 19th, yeah, 18th to the 19th century, where uh, tuberculosis is like a sort of if you had tuberculosis <laughs> or the look of tuberculosis, there was a certain chicness to it. But also, relatively recently, there was the whole um, like a cr- not crackhead look, but what would you call that look? It's like what? gaunt and sickly looking. I mean, the heroin chic. The heroin chic. There we uh, go. That was the word I was looking for. The Kate Moss yeah. look. Right? So the heroin chic was a thing. But, but even before the heroin chic, there was a tuberculosis like thing like where you would deliberately make your uh, skin look really pale. And you put really dark colors into your eye. It was very interesting. Mm. So you never know. Yeah. There may be a filter someday that, that deliberately makes the sound and look ill. That was the, uh, what is Remember Zoolander was a... Uh... Mugatu's a derelict campaign. Derelict, makes everyone yeah, look, right. yeah, they makes everyone look like they're homeless. Yep, yeah, uh, but there's also uh, what's crazy is that you know, I, Diz, I actually wanted to. We didn't get a chance to talk before this, right? But I wanted to, mm-hmm. I wanted to address you personally here in this situation, okay? In public, no less. Yes, of course. I need to, I need to shame you because this is important. All right, and this is for your own good, Diz. Okay, those damn. Vape thingies are really oh fucking God. up people's lives. God okay. damn it! Okay, I tagged Stop. him at like three in the morning. Last I'm putting night. you on. I'm putting you on blast. Shut up! All right, that's it. I'm I'm tired of this because I, not only has Ali tagged me in it, fucking, I've had seventy five text messages about it. Look, all right, yes, and none of us read the article. I should point no. out, we read the headline and sent it to him. Yeah. And like, yeah, no one has done research on it. Just read the headline. Oh, people are dying. Let me send this to this. Look, I get it. All right. People have been dying. I'm not going to fucking deny that. But you know why they've been fucking dying? Because they're because, vaping. No. Yeah. In part. But it's because these fucking crackhead fucking potheads. Right. I, that's just redundant. But these fucking potheads, they, they buy these like cheap ass weed pens. Right. Like the weed vape pens. And the weed vape pens burn at a very low wattage, all right? Mm. So a typical weed vape pen will burn at, like, 10 watts. Mm. A normal vape, like mine, which is, you know, like a bigger tank and it's for nicotine, it's not for THC, it burns at, like, 60 watts. Mm. When you burn at a higher wattage, that's what makes, like, bigger clouds. You know, like, yo, I want to puff big clouds, bro, like that fucking douchebag vape god guy. Um, but they've been trying to tamper 
with the little cheap weed vape pens to try to make them burn higher, which you're not supposed to because it's it's too concentrated to burn at that high, like burn that high. That gives you fucking lung problems. Well, the and, thing is, to be, to be clear, the people that have died recently from this, the, the kind of mm-hmm. big scare, is because of what Jizz is talking about. And it's also because of that that you now have the government talking about how they're going to do some type of regulation, restriction, or ban on flavored whatnot or whatnot. That's, that's because fucking Melania thinks that Baron Trump could be vaping. Right. So, like, the, you know, this is all, it all comes down to this weird kind of priorities thing. Cigarettes have been killing people for ages and no one's banned them. Uh, guns have been murdering people left and right. No one's banning mm-hmm. them. But vape apparently is where the priorities of the government lay. That said, while you are right in the case that the, in these instances, the people that have died uh, mm-hmm. are because they've been tampering with it, it's also been proven that vapes are just as bad as cigarettes. They're, yeah. they're, the, the chemicals in them are just as bad. Yeah, people, the problem was that everyone thought it was like, oh, it was water vapor, water vapor, water vapor. But it's a water vapor with, with chemicals in it, with oils that are actually really bad for you. Almost 100% we had this conversation with Dr. Hasabi. Dr. Mm. Hasabi? Oh, who? Reza? <laughs> you fucking threw me off. Stop, every, everyone's become a fucking doctor. Just call them by their names. Fucking Reza, Ali, Nura. You know that whole thing, actually, uh, Jewel is actually in trouble right now uh, because because they made those claims. Yeah. Right? Like about about it being safer than uh, right than cigarettes. And now, like, the Food and Drug Administration are going after them for for saying that shit. Now, of course, again, like, don't get me wrong. I think it's a disgusting habit. No offense to Diz, right? But it's a gross-ass habit. But of all, like, the things to go after, like, if I wasn't, yeah. like, that's, like, really low on the totem pole for me. It's a gross habit. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. dangerous for you, but it's, like, there's, like, a shit ton of other stuff that the the Food and Drug Administration should be focused on. Like, the 90% of these kind of diet pills, these yeah. uh, health pills, the, the, the things that kids are taking to help them stay up, right? Yeah. And so, basically, amphetamines, right? But they're legal, right? Mm. Or the fucking hair – what is that? The the girls take the hair gummies. Um, they're called something. I forgot yeah. that. Like, like, they take them for, hair, for like, hair strength or whatnot. Yeah, basically, like biotin. Yeah, they're meant to look like candy and taste like candy, but it's actually for that's it's actually really bad for you. All this stuff yeah. is really, really bad for you. It's like for me, vaping is like it's pretty down on the totem pole of like priorities to deal with. Like gun violence, let's start there. Yeah, Cigarettes, yeah. let's start there. Opioid crisis, let's start there. I mean, yeah. even then, though, it's like cigarettes have been, you know, like I think they said that they've actually noticed that you know cigarette usage is down in this country. Yeah. Right. But like now, like vaping, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that vaping has become more popular. Yeah. Right? Well, there was and- a, this is a really good example of like the way culture shifts, right? Yeah. So, cigarettes, when we were uh, before, kind of right before our age, was the height of coolness, right? Mm-hmm. 80s, early 90s, smoking mm-hmm. was like, it was always a demonstration of someone was really cool. Especially a in a movie or, yeah, you were a badass or whatnot. But then there was a massive marketing campaign, right? That just say that the kind of anti cigarette, anti nicotine campaign that really did a good job, if not to really address the legislation aspect of it to at least shift things culturally so it looks bad. So cigarettes became a sort of thing that people did because it was bad, right? And like and so you would see like people used to you used to see smoke in bars and everywhere, right? Yeah. But then oh, now yeah. you light up a cigarette and people are like ah, 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 like they like it's become a, a, a disgusting habit. Yeah, that's man. 
that's a fascinating example of like how culture changes, but specifically how campaigns change culture, right? Like that wasn't accidental. It wasn't because like we collectively agreed it was bad for us. There was mm-hmm. a campaign to make it seem bad. But now vaping has replaced that same cool kids, whatnot. You still see vaping being done not just uh, by by the quote unquote cool kids, but you see them done like indoors. You see them quite popular. The whole kind of culture that's emerged of like smoke tricks and whatnot. So it's fascinating how culture gets manufactured in this way. Literally, corporations decided that we're going to make corporations in Hollywood decided that cigarettes equal bad, and now those same corporations and Hollywood vaping equals interesting slash cool. Like, Look, man, completely the, the manufactured. Pl- the fucking plight of a smoker. All right, I fucking stopped smoking cigarettes because I heard vaping was a healthy alternative, so I started doing that instead. <laughs> Found a out healthier, that was just as bad. Yeah, and it's like. Like people fucking look down on me when I used to smoke cigarettes. Like when you were a cigarette smoker and if you were outside smoking a cigarette, people would just give you like these fucking yeah, disgusting yeah. fucking stares and looks like Because you grew up and you grew up in the age where cigarettes had become bad. Yeah. After you I were, started if smoking. you were 10, 15 years older, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been a big deal. No. But you yeah. literally grew up right in that age where we were like Okay, we're in high school, and it's like, oh, you smoked because you thought you were the cool kid. The second you got out of high school, it's like, stop fucking smoking. Yeah, but I was addicted at that point, so it was tough. Um, But yeah, man, and now it's like I'm fucking vaping. And like it was bad enough. I was called a douchebag vapor. Now it's like, oh, you're going to fucking kill yourself vaping and you're a douchebag. It's like both. I can't fucking win, man. What oh, the hell man, do? you know. Yeah, we're real assholes, Lee, for, for bringing up the fact that it's bad for <laughs> That's it, man. You know what? How I'm just dare start- you, Tran? Mm. How dare you care about his health? Yeah, fuckers. I'm just going to start smoking weed because that's the cool thing to do nowadays, man. Everyone likes weed. <laughs> oh, wow. You sound literally like a petulant kid who's like, fine, if I can't do this, and I'm going to do that. What? What? Yeah. Really? That's your answer to like people calling you out for smoking? Just, the just stay away from the weed pen because that's bad for you. Too. <laughs> that's the one that's killed eight people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have an oral fixation, man. I need to get my fucking fix. Like, so I just got to put stuff in my mouth. You need to develop a chewing gum habit or something. I cause... do, man. You should see all the fucking gum. I have fucking four packs of gum in my backpack right now. Gum's also not particularly good for you either. God damn it. I least <laughs> no, I mean, obviously not as bad as cigarettes <laughs> or vape, but chewing without swallowing, it causes all sorts of acid. It's like, that's why your tummy sometimes hurts is because you're chewing. Without well, it usually helps my tummy. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. Like when I'm feeling nauseous, I'll chew on some gum and it helps oh, me. For no- yes, yes. But yeah. bloating, what it does is it often makes people bloat. Uh, fair enough, sure. man. I, I like how Professor Professor Lomi used the term tummy to refer to stomach. <laughs> you gotta throw in occasional occasional children's word. You gotta yeah, speak you to, to people. Double down, double down for Diz. Yeah, well, pedagogically speaking, you gotta meet students at their level. <laughs> what, did you, what, what word did you use there? <laughs> pathology? <laughs> yes, pathology. That was the word. Yes. Pathologically speaking? <laughs> Pedagogy. Pedagogically uh, speaking. The Pentagon. Okay, fair enough. Not the Pentagon, no, no. Pedagogy or pedagogy, depending on some people's pronunciation. How did the the Brits pronounce it pedagogy? I think they say pedagogy. Oh, I'm surprised you don't say it that way, you fucking... Only some British words, not all... Uh, all Generation Z. Generation Z. That's accurate. That is the right way to say it. Z, goddammit. Generation Z. So do you call it H or H? I say H. H. I don't know, man. Fucking, I'm, you know, your your fucking little Hephaestus in London is gonna like grow up using weird words, and you're gonna be okay with it. It is what it is. 
Are you, talking, are you referring to his son that he has? Yeah, a fictitious son. A son of Hephaestus. Hephaestus. Little Hephaestus. <laughs> he named him Hephaestus. You know, I, mean, Hephaestus, I think it was the only Greek name he remembered. Yeah, it's yes. a good name, but like Hephaestus had a bad relationship with his dad. Well, know? so I don't know. Ali's an absentee father, bro. Like, wow. <laughs> you know wow. the thing you fucked up about this? I don't have a child, but you've already concocted like like pathologies for this poor child. <laughs> a little Hephaestus in his sweater vest and his glasses. Really oh, because we try to get you to stop smoking that vape. No, no, yeah, that's true. V, I'd say that... you had, I'd say you have an illegitimate child, illegitimate child, V, but you'd have to have sex to have an illegitimate child. Damn, we really uh, struck yeah. a nerve with him. <laughs> I'm fucking firing all cylinders today, baby. Let's go. <laughs> know, really. <laughs> him out on, his, on his vaping. It's a, fu- it's a fucking Mexican standoff. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, I actually. I, I wanted to bring this up real quick. It, we don't need to get too much into it, but like, did you hear about the um, uh, President Obama and his uh, higher was it like higher ground uh, media company thing for Netflix? No. So like him, it's it's interesting because like you know, I don't think we ever expect presidents like after people are done, right? Jimmy Carter builds houses. George W. Bush fumbles around with a fucking raincoat while uh, eluding arrest by the Geneva Convention, and like. The Obamas are like make you know have a deal with Netflix and they're going into life. I didn't know the Netflix deal. I didn't know about this higher ground thing. So what's crazy is that like, well, I just read it. I actually literally just read it, but like, I guess they're going through some litigation battle because a lady who owns the name Higher Ground, uh, and it's like a it's a it's like a media company for like aspiring writers, basically went uh, uh basically went you know you can't you can't have that name because it already exists and they're trying to sue saying that their company can exist in the in a different i guess like in a in a different space because it's not for writing it's for like media mm. so like they're going through this really they're like starting through like this like the beginning stages of like a media battle for the name like higher ground media or something like that mm, um i just think it's so weird though like you know it's like uh you know uh it, i guess i guess Elia, that's it's more along the lines of your expertise but like you know for someone who is like kind of considered so sacred as the obamas like they kind of like jump into this like the same kind of um business bullshit <laughs> i mm. guess that like that we kind of uh that we never kind of associate themselves them with mm. yeah right? I, like, I i know nothing about this the story other than the fact that i do know that they were building or at least planning like several documentaries and series with netflix that they've mm-hmm. made a pretty lucrative career outside of um the white house in addition yeah. to selling the book, uh, selling you know Michelle Obama's book, and then planning several kind of uh, media productions that they've made kind of a pretty they've like hit the ground running in terms of of what they're doing post presidency. Yeah, I just think it's I don't know. Do you guys find it kind of weird? It's like these uh, like politicians getting into media in that way. Like I, it just never it never seemed right to me. And you know, it's like outside of like I, it was such a there was such a scandal when Bob Dole did those commercials for Viagra. That's right back a in like Viagra the 90s. commercial, though. What? Yeah, I think that's because they were Viagra. Because yeah. I think media and the um, politicians go hand in hand for me. Mm-hmm. Almost, almost the politicians that I know that are kind of made big names for themselves almost always transition into a media role. Some type of uh, consulting work, some type of punditry or... Uh, they're uh, a contributor of some site, Fox News, MSNBC, 
uh, CNN. It's just a really lucrative gig and an easy gig to go into. You show up a couple times a week, maybe a few times a month. You get a nice, decent salary out of it, and you get to kind of talk about what supposedly your expertise in. I think where the Obamas are kind of different is that they have so much of a they have a much more focus on the kind of business end of of media. They're not just showing up as as commentators or going on the lecture circuit, which most presidents end up doing, but instead are much more actively involved in kind of building a media conglomerate empire thing. But that also, to be honest with you, that seems really up Obama's alley. They seemed very mm-hmm. interested in media when they were president in the presidency themselves. I mean, they were constantly had connections that with rappers true. and musicians and media tycoons and, and whatnot. So they, they, they seemed... Like they were really linking up with that world, or at least that was the world they were interested in getting into. But yeah, who I knows? guess you could attribute it to their success actually in the campaign Maybe. is probably their adopt adoption Maybe. of those things. Yeah, Maybe. yeah, and and you also got to remember, like Barack Obama did those like videos, like those funny videos with like Joe Biden, where they were like running around the White House. He did the thanks Obama stuff. He was reading mean tweets about him. He was going on like talk he shows. Was a, and, he was the most media savvy president we've ever had. Yeah. And it's also like he became president in a different age, right? He yeah. and and he was also like a young, charismatic president, you know. So I mean, like, there are people that call him the first social media president, which I I, I believe one hundred percent is true, right? Because like, social media wasn't really around prior to Obama, right? So like, you got to see a lot of, of like of Obama's personality through social media, you know, like, um, for for better or worse, like that that's why he became like you know loved by the younger generations because like he was willing to meet us at like the places that we went to the most right mm. and not like physically went to but you know like we're on fucking facebook we're on instagram we're on twitter like that's where he met us yeah i mean his his social media game was was pretty effective but you know yeah he's no donald trump you know when, when it comes to Twitter, that motherfucker goes viral with every tweet that he fucking posts. Well, I don't but know if it's for viral the, if for the wrong reasons. People are ratioing <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. No, yeah. viral, like it's like a virus every time he fucking tweets, yeah. you know. But, you know who has the most viruses online? Mm. Who is the most virulent? I have to tell you guys. Me? I feel like it's, No. Shut up. I feel like the most virulent people. That's not even the right word for it. But I feel like. Rich white women seem to have this whole how social media thing on lock. It seems like you know whether it's Twitter, it's Instagram. They're Facebook more viral, is what you mean, rather than virulent. Because virulent means poisonous. Well, they are virulent, but like you know, like they are. They are. I think. I think when it comes to like things going viral, it it feels like a lot of it gets carried by by white women who tend to be you know, who live these kind of lavish lifestyles, right? It seems like that's a big thing. I certainly would say that social media ushered in the age of the white woman. It really did. Right. Right. One could argue that that is kind of the, the young white woman in particular uh, is, is deeply associated. I'd say probably more with Instagram and Snapchat than Twitter, but definitely like that, that's the kind of what, uh, what was ushered in with this new era of social media. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we're going through this whole hashtag hot girl summer shit and everything right now, right? And uh, also, someone just came up, or this uh, the story came up a couple of days ago, or within the past couple of days, on this girl named uh, Caroline Calloway. Have you heard of her before? Yeah, I did not know who she was until last night. 
Not until fucking someone tagged me to try yesterday, to explain who she was to Ali. Yeah, yesterday was when the article dropped uh, for her or whatever it was, right? But her story apparently had been developing for a little while. But I had no clue who she was. I saw it trending and I'm just like, I have no idea what's going on mm-hmm. until I read the article. Yeah. Um, this is interesting because, uh, uh, you know, uh, this this article that kind of that was big was part of it was in the cut. And it was by her, uh, yeah. her friend slash ghostwriter, uh, Natalie Beach, right? Now, essentially, what happened was, like, uh, I guess Caroline Cal was one of the, the kind of the people who ushered in kind of that age and where social media influence became an actual thing. So, like, in 2015, she was going to Cambridge University, and, you know, she was documenting a lot of, of, a lot of her love life and personal life through Instagram yeah. and through these, like, kind of these magical-looking photos. Right. Right. And she's an expat from New York, comes from a very wealthy family. And, uh, you know, and she basically grew in followers exponentially uh, during her time in the university uh, through her kind of her stories. They were like personal journals. So they were like kind of very flowerly written. Right. They almost were like young adult novels, the way that they were they were written with the photos kind of attached to it. She took she took advantage of this kind of this wave of Instagram that had just started yeah. building its groundswell right um and then you know she's uh i feel like she's one of the influencers that kind of got lost it's been lost into to a lot of uh, a lot of bigger influencers now but you know she has a pretty big following still mm-hmm. um this article basically came out in the cut by natalie who's claiming that you know they were friends in while well, in cambridge and she was the one that kind of curated and wrote and also you know and also created a lot of things for content for that Instagram, right? That got, uh, that got her famous. Um, so it's kind of one of those tell all things, the situations where it's like, she's talking about kind of the abuses that she had taken, um, you know, how, how everything was kind of a fake, you know, and everything else. Uh, and like a lot of influencers, Caroline Calloway, you know, is trying to basically find other forms of income by doing things yes. like seminars, uh, you know, she had a, a you know, she also she sold, you know, like ad space on her on her um, Instagram and everything like that. And uh, everything kind of started falling apart when she actually had to, she got called the task to actually do the things that she had promised. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same with uh, Tanakan or, you know, whatever other influencers kind of everything fell apart for them when they were actually told like when they actually had to do something other than post on their Instagram. Yeah. Everything began to I mean, fall apart, you know. She she leveraged her social media f- into a young adult novel, it looked like, or a young adult book uh, that was based on her life, and then apparently that fell apart. She didn't meet the deadline, yeah, and so they wanted money back. Yeah, I guess she got an advance. That was it was like a six figure advance, right? I mean, you know more about this than yeah. we do, obviously, but like, and then she had already. What do you, what do you mean? It. What do you assume? Like, like six figure advance, Ali automatically knows what it's about. Oh come on, I Ali! I only know a little bit about the book industry. Getting a six-figure advance is not a common thing. Diz, do you believe that for a second? This no, yeah, it's not. Because yeah. Ali got a seven-figure advance. Shut up. <laughs> a six-figure advance is very rare. Um, a seven-figure, a million-dollar is even further rare. Uh, but generally, it's an indication that the, the publisher is buying whatever brand, not just the story, but whatever brand. And so this person, Caroline Kelly, had built some type of social media brand for herself. And that's really what the publisher was kind of really putting that that's why they were spending that type of money yeah absolutely and you know she had canceled that she had uh you know she had canceled her her seminars because apparently she had she hadn't booked 
you know, uh, places for her thing for her seminar to be before she started selling tickets and basically everything kind of fell to shit. Now she's kind of rebuilding and people are, you know, starting to kind of, she's starting to do the seminars again and she's trying to push back, you know, uh, talking, you know, talking about how she's not a scammer and how this isn't the fire festival again. And everyone's kind of attributing Mm -hmm. it to, um, what I kind of postulate to you guys though, is that, you know, is this, this is, is this the natural kind of cycle for influencers? Like, do you guys think that this is kind of what is in store for most people that are in this field, especially when they're this young and they don't have kind of the wisdom of like a business person or a media person who's kind of been through it before. I'm not sure if this is a natural cycle, but I will say that I don't quite understand it in the sense that, okay, so I read the article, yeah, right? And the cut really likes this kind of long read exposés, deeply personal. And, yeah. you know, everyone was talking about Natalie. She's like, oh, you're such a brilliant writer and we love it. And this was so great. I didn't get it. I read it and I went, what's so brilliant about this? What's so great about this? To me, it's a story of a deeply, deeply insecure and jealous person who yeah. finds a deeply insecure partner that manages to fake it. She willingly consents to faking with her and contributing to this false persona. She ghostwrites her Instagram stories and Instagram posts and ghostwrites her book and whatnot and willingly consents to all that, is jealous that this other girl gets the guys, but she doesn't. Mm. And then later on decides that the entire relationship needs to be exposed. Now, without a doubt, it is an exploitative relationship. It's not a healthy relationship. But also, Natalie isn't a victim in any of this. At least that's not what I'm getting. She's putting herself as a victim. I don't understand it because she's willingly participating in all of that. There's a scene in the story she talks about how she misses her flight and then Caroline uses her family's credit cards to buy her ticket to send her back. And then in payment, Natalie agrees to do some of her posts for her. Yeah, that doesn't sound like an exploitative relationship. Yeah, it sounds me. like something that I mean, honestly, right. it sounds like a standard kind of deal. With, you know, like you right. obviously do something to make up for it. So Natalie isn't a protagonist in this, in my uh-huh. opinion. In my opinion, what this story really reveals is just the depths of the sort of toxic relationships that exist online. That's always hidden behind some type of veneer of positivity, yeah, of yeah. upliftment, right? I get it. And like they talk, she talks about early on, she's like, oh, we were so excited with Instagram. We were talking about how it was that truly feminist mode of writing and whatnot. Because I think in some regards, you know, it does open up the door for her. I just didn't understand it. I don't understand why anyone would want to read this or why anyone would even want to write about this. Why Cut would need to publish it. I don't get, like, I'm not understanding. This isn't a Me Too moment. This isn't like a really deep expose. Anyone who knows anything about social media is like, yeah, people are fake on social media. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Like, I guess I don't. I didn't get it. It's the same thing as that one article that they, I think it was cut also that they did a few months back about the girl who she was hooking up with guys and like wasn't working out. She didn't like the guy that she hooked up with, but she still hooked up with him anyways. It's like this big old thing and like everyone's like, oh my God, I sympathize, I resonate. I'm like, she just sounds like a shallow, self-absorbed person. Like, don't get me wrong. Everyone in the story does. So is the other person there, her partner that she was hooking up with. But in the Caroline story, I look at it and I'm going, what a fucking self-indulgent 
piece of writing. Yeah, but isn't it that, is self indulgent? Isn't that ultimately kind of what embodies what what social media is though? Inst- yeah. I mean, what's more self indulgent than literally posting pictures and captioning them and then trying to yeah. get people to come by and like it? That's kind of my point though, right? Yeah. It's like if if Caroline Calloway is self indulgent and self absorbed, isn't Natalie also? Caroline Calloway does it on Instagram, but mm-hmm. Natalie did it in The New Yorker's The Cut. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. This like, oh, whoa, look at my life. Caroline does it to say, look how great my life is. Natalie does it to, oh, look how horrible my experience was. But it's the same kind of this, let me show you, let me sell authenticity to you. But it's fake authenticity. It's a manufactured narrative. It's one side of the story. It's one perspective. It's a filter, right? Yeah. So I don't I don't understand how we can look at it and go, Caroline Calloway is a fake. She is, but Natalie is the protagonist. No, both of these people to me seem like the ultimate representations of this kind of self-indulgent, self-absorbed social media culture. Yeah, I mean, but but that's what social media has become, right? Because, like, I remember when, when like, Facebook came around, right? Like, it, it was a place to fucking just see what your friends were doing, right? Or, like, fucking connect with friends that you may have not seen in a while, right? Well, Facebook was originally to connect students together. Yeah, but, like, like the most I mean, common I mean, way to use it was basically, like, hey, do you have the notes for, for this day? Hey, we're getting together for a study group. That was, like, the most common along with like parties. Yeah, but, like... Later on, when it became open to the public, right? That's that's what it was. It was used for, and like now, it's like everyone wants to give like a fucking opinion on Facebook, right? And then Instagram. I remember, dude, like my fucking posts on Instagram were like, "Hey, I went to this fucking WWE show. Like, let me right. post a picture of it so like my friends who are other wrestling fans can see it, right? Like, or dude, I ate this fucking great steak at um that fucking steak place that me, you, and and V went." uh when you got like a book deal you know like that's what i was using it to post or like posting like pictures from like weddings and stuff and like kind of just like keeping people up on my life that way Mm -hmm. like it wasn't like i wasn't doing things because like i i wanted to like post it i was just posting the things that i was doing right right um nowadays like you hear people are like there's like a thing like do it for the gram right like hashtag do it for the gram right like, like I know friends of mine who would never hike in a million years, right? Mm-hmm. Like five years ago, they would have never hiked. It's not their fucking thing, but they'll go and fucking hike now, and and because they want to go take that picture on that fucking potato chip rock that it looks like it's gonna like fall off. So they'll go and make that hike just so they could take that fucking Instagram photo, so people could be like, "Oh, it's such a cool photo. I can't believe you did that," you know, and like get their fucking hundreds of likes or their thousands of likes, depending on who it is, you know, or like they'll go to certain coffee shops and take a picture of a drink because, you know, it looks cool. And I'm going to post this on Instagram. I'm not even going to fucking drink the coffee, but I'm going to take a picture of it so people can see it and be like, Oh, it's such a cool artistic photo of you with like this coffee in front of you're saying there's a change there, right? From a hundred percent cataloging to actually being shaped by the platform itself. Yeah. It's, it's, it's commodified likes, right? Like people like, like, don't get me wrong. Right. Like when I post a a photo, I look at how many likes I get. And like the more likes I get, the better I feel about the photo. I was like, Oh cool. You know, like I'll feel, I'll feel a little bit more like I'll feel popular. Right. 
like I don't feel like I need to do it. Like I'm starving for these likes, but mm-hmm. it it does feel good to get the likes, right? Mm-hmm. But like I've I've noticed like I have friends who need to like go on there and like post the most artistic photos. They have to filter things a certain way, you know, like they they do their stories like 18 times until it comes out just right, you know, like because people you know people are going to see this. I need to make sure that like my my fucking people's my my fans see like me for who i am and it's like yeah but diz when you go on a date do you not make sure that your clothes are the best they can be that you smell the right way that you say the right things that you talk about the things i mean you're not you don't go out there as you're dressed at home are you no and and i get that right but i'm but i'm also not like exposing that out for the world right it's just like for one person and i i i think Instagram and like social media has made us like less um, like intimate with ourselves and less true with ourselves um, than we were before. Because now like people are genuinely like faking things, right? I'm not sure that it's made us less honest because we've, I mean, we're always going to be faking it. We've even before social media existed people were careful about what their neighbors saw, right? Happy couples in Mm -hmm. public. You didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. I think what social media has done is not that it's made us less honest, um, but that it has, it has manufactured honesty. So that's, I think where the difference is that because social media revolves around selling authenticity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Photographs have always exists. Films have always exist. Journaling has always existed. But what social media does is bring it all together. So what it does is it sells authenticity. Look how my life actually is. And I think that's the issue with Caroline Calloway. She was showing, like, look at my life. Look how fun it is. You too can do this when in reality none of that was true. So it's not that we're less honest. We've always been dishonest and we've never mm-hmm. been transparent. And we've never given you know away what was really going on behind closed doors. But I think what we're doing now is that we're far more aware of things like public public personas in the past our public personas were like okay let's make sure we don't talk about the fight we had yeah now it's like let's manufacture that public persona how do i look like so so instagrams have aesthetics right all photos should have a certain color aesthetic to them because that is my aesthetic so there's a certain manufacturing that goes on there that i think you're right never existed before that's, I think, where the key is. It's like you're deliberately, consciously manufacturing an identity. I think it's really mm-hmm. like it reminds me growing up, you know, doing the Orange County. It's living in you know the suburbs of Orange County. You know, it's literally it's it's how everyone in our neighborhoods live their lives, right? Only now it's like people from across the world can kind of see what's going on. Uh, and ultimately, you know, isn't it? It's I guess it's no different from keeping. It's like keeping up with the Joneses with finances, right? Like you're literally uh, you're faking it around people. That you really, yeah, really, it really shouldn't matter. But you know, you're kind of faking your wealth around people, and you're kind of showing them that you have more than you actually do. And for ultimately, for what reason, you know? Um, and I think also, it's like I'm, I'm sure you could probably see this too. It's like this is kind of peak capitalism, isn't it? Like, isn't this like the most yeah. capitalist thing that you can possibly do? <laughs> well, I mean, this is this was my issue with social media has always been right is that, that no platform has effectively internalized the logic of capitalism and neoliberalism than social media has. Nothing has done it that now we think in terms of like, 
likes and that we think in terms of retweets, that we think in terms of shares, that we're consciously aware that even in our anti-capitalist activism, please share this, please like this, please retweet this. We have absorbed the language of neoliberalism in a way that I don't think uh, advertisement ever did. I don't think any type of marketing ever did. These platforms are, have been the most successful at it. But the question is, I'm not sure if that was always the intent. Maybe that was the intent for corporations. But early on, they were fundamentally democratizing forces. So what does Facebook do? Facebook democratizes the journal, right? Mm -hmm. No, you don't need to be an op-ed writer. You don't need to be uh, a columnist. Anybody can write. You write a post up, your friends see it. So democratize the author, the journalist, the, the diary person, right? Then you have Instagram, who democratized the photographer and the model. You don't have to be uh, flying out to Milan to become this world-famous star. Same thing with Twitter. Twitter democratized the political commentary, that everyone has an opinion. Everyone, has, you can respond in any way, shape, or form. But in turn, it's become something else. It's corporatized now better than anything else has. Now you're thinking in terms of brands, you're thinking in terms of endorsements, you're thinking in terms of likes and retweets. What started off as maybe in some ways Caroline and Natalie were right, that Instagram was a fundamentally feminist mode of writing, right? That suddenly women, especially white women, young white women, had a platform and a voice. They could become public figures in their own right, writing about their lives, journaling about their lives, cataloging what they did in their days. But they go, you, what it does is you go from cataloging to manufacturing. You wake up and you go, oh, I'm, I'm going to have breakfast. Oh, maybe I'll take a picture of this breakfast. Hashtag blessed, right? <laughs> and, and you go, now I wake up and I'm like, all right, where am I going to go to take this photo shoot? What am I going to wear for that photo shoot? Yeah. Let's make sure that we get that one brick building. Make sure that, And then let's make sure we put this one bottle in the photo because that bottle is giving me money. Right? So like someone pointed out recently, there was an uh, Instagram influencer that got called out by using a car accident uh, to um, promote this water bottle, this water flask. Jeez. That in the photos of the accident, these kind of very like very – well taken photos oh, of accidents. Lighting she is perfect. Like, lighting is perfect. It's done in black and white, oh my right? God, yeah. That she had also like snuck in the water flask. Oh my god! <laughs> and oh, and no. so like, so like you go from you go from okay, cataloging and diary and journaling and diary to manufacturing, and that's what I think is fundamentally interesting about this: the shift from a democratizing influence to a corporatizing influence. You start thinking about brands, you start thinking about who's allowed to see it, who's not allowed to see it. Then you start thinking about, well, can I leverage this? One of the kind of little tidbits of this story that kind of often gets forgotten about the Caroline story is really kind of buried down further, is that Caroline didn't start off actually doing Instagram randomly. That she had originally approached a publisher to sell a book, and the publisher said, "No one's going to write a book, buy a book from a nobody." Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so she went into Instagram with the very conscious and intentional purpose of building a brand so that she could sell a book, buying followers, doing all the kind of stuff that you know people do in order to manufacture being viral and famous and whatnot. 
right? Yeah, yeah. That mm-hmm. she went in there with that idea of like, oh, I need to sell a book. So everything she did was about selling this book. That's crazy. That's what Instagram does. That's what Twitter does is you go in there and you go, I'm not, I'm not writing in order to journal or whatnot. I'm writing in order to sell. In order Isn't to that why you started? That's why you started Twitter, didn't you? Uh, your, your publisher. Yeah, when I you- first started Twitter, that was exactly the reason I was. And my publisher mm-hmm. said, you need to get out there and develop a, a, a persona as a public intellectual. Uh-huh. And it's true. That was originally. And I remember some of my older tweets were very much a try. I was such a try hard. Mm-hmm. Was trying to provide commentary about things. And I was in like talking about MSNBC and, and, and voting and all this. Like I was very much this, like, I got to be this public intellectual and comment mm-hmm. about everything. Yeah. Now and you're was, just an asshole. And it was just dumb. I hated it. It was so dumb. It was so boring. It was a job. And then I, I kind of pulled back and went, well, well, I am a public intellectual. I write for the public. I engage in educating the public. So let me stop playing the role of commentator and mm-hmm. let me just do what I do normally, which is I educate. Yeah. yeah. I do this in the classroom and let me do it outside of the classroom too. Twitter is just another tool for me, like podcasting or whatnot, to educate people. And suddenly mm-hmm. it clicked. I was yeah. no longer caring about what people said or thought or did and simply doing what I found interesting to me that I thought was good, that was in my wheelhouse, that was interesting for me and my students, right? I was tweeting for myself, which is what you were supposed to do. So I went at it with kind of backwards. Mm-hmm. People start by tweeting for themselves and then building towards a brand. Yeah. I did it the other way around. I went in there because someone told me I had to have a Twitter. They're like, you should have a Twitter. Yeah. And... After that, I went, no, I'm not going to do it that way. And now I I enjoy Twitter so much more because I use it as an education tool. I'm not interested in following every single trend. I mean, I used to remember having to go through those stupid, what was trending, but all right, this is, I'm going to tweet within this trend now. (laughs) And now I'm like, I don't, I could care less. I'm going to talk about the stuff that interests me. It took me a while. It took me like, I think two years before I really started to figure it out that one, I don't care what anyone else thinks. Two, I should just use this to educate. So I started to tweet about the stuff that fascinated me. History, uh, putting political con- uh, context, uh, putting historical context to contemporary politics. Yeah. Now, religion. Now everyone's philosophy. trying to summon Jin because of your tweet. Because of your tweets. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> trying to invoke desert spirits. Now, the irony is, too, is like when I stopped caring, when I started doing things that interested me, is also when the tweets themselves started to blow up. Yeah. Right. So like my first kind of viral tweet was about Afghanistan. That was just me correcting misinformation. It was me as if like in a class, someone had raised their hand and said something false. And then me going, okay, let me correct. This. That's all I did. This is when you went at Boots. Right. It's, well, it was before Boots. Boots was like the, it's like the third iteration of that. <laughs> before Boots, there was another thread that's actually on my kind of master thread you can find where I, where I address this. And like th- those were kind of the moments where I'm like, all right, I just need to start educating, focusing on the things that I find fascinating, focusing on the things that work for me. But the question is like, not everyone leverages social media in that way, right? Not everyone uses it as the platform that is a useful tool, whether it's for educating or getting out your message or organizing the Arab Spring, use social media to organize their revolutions, right? Mm -hmm. So like social media can be useful, but that's not how people use it. People instead internalize the logic of neoliberalism and they think in terms of the likes, the shares, the retweets, etc. There's like a whole brand of like uh, leftists 
uh, who have emerged, these young kids who are really into Marxism, who are really into anti-capitalists, who are really into environmental justice or whatnot. They're into their causes, but they spend 100% of their time shitposting, mm. right? Just putting up tweets that are meant to deliberately shock people so that they get retweets, you know? You know, Marx didn't predict hot girl summer. Right? Yeah, things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> things that are meant to just be kind of like silly, trendy, shit posting and whatnot. And yet they have these deep commitments like political activism and change. And the question is, how does any of that further your cause? It doesn't. You're only doing it for clout, right? Yeah. Clout yeah. chasing has become a thing. And I think that that is a real manifestation of the neoliberal logic of social media. Absolutely. We all know someone like that. Absolutely. Of course. I mean, I feel like, you know, uh, I mean, leave it to human society, right? You you take something that has the potential, uh, has proven to be able to do, to overthrow governments and do some amazing things. Ultimately, it gets used to uh, put other people down to make yourself feel better, right? Isn't that always how how it ends up working out? Uh, But I have a, so I actually have a, a, a good friend of mine. She's actually, she does social media and you know, she has she has a great Instagram account called How Am I Feeling? It's for uh, artists and everyone who are, you know, who have, uh, you know, mental health issues that they're working through and through art and everything else, you know, how it's, it's how they kind of express themselves. Um, so I encourage everyone to go and check them out. But, you know, she does some social media stuff for people professionally. And it's always interesting because, you know, I, she always has a story about, you know, there'd be some you know, uh, you know, some young, uh, rich person, uh, from orange County who, who wants to go viral or who wants to get big, right. what's become an inf- you know, and there's no, but she literally has nothing to offer anybody. Right. But she wants to find a way to get followers. So like they hire, you know, people like her or, you know, the hundreds of other people who do this in order to get to that point. Right. But like when you literally have nothing to offer, I'm like, what, like, what can you possibly do to get there? And I think it also shows that people don't realize that, you know, it's, it's, it's a work, right? It's, uh, it is, yeah. yeah, the whole thing, it's, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's like, it's creating and curating a persona and it's, uh, you know, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort and it usually doesn't take, you know, it takes more than one person to get it done. Right. Right. Like it's, there's a huge industry behind it. I mean, restaurants are hiring people now to do their social media just to get people to kind of follow and right. do all that stuff. Right. And, uh, I mean, you know, and even, Honestly, like I think every almost every institution now has some form of like social media management that's been like totally built do. into the system, right? Like we, and that, and that's the thing is like social media and the internet started off as relatively organic, right? Yeah. So think about old viral campaigns, right? Or not, and we shouldn't use the word campaign. Think of old viral phenomenons. They were accidental. Yeah. Right? Like Star Wars it Kid. Was, you, yeah, Star Wars Kid. It was emailing your friends stuff. Yeah. The Rickroll. Remember the Rickroll? It was basically like people emailing each other shit. Yeah. And then you'd yeah. get Rickrolled. You'd open it up. Oh, yeah, Rickrolled, right? It was literally just this organic, random shit. But with the rise of, I think, uh, social media in particular, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. You now have a, an attempt to deliberately create viral content, deliberately manufacture mm. viral content. So clout chasing, right? But now done at the brand level. So what do we see? I think the two obvious manifestations of this are one, corporations acting like humans, right? Mm-hmm. So literally KFC just released a gaming uh, 
I guess a game is the best, the only way I can describe it. It's a game, a dating game um, that you can play where Colonel Sanders is like this hot anime guy. <laughs> yeah. It's literally <laughs> builds on the kind of K-pop phenomenon. It's like, go and check it out. I'm not kidding. Go look up KFC dating game. Just like take a second as I'm talking, look it up and you'll see the images. You'll be like, what the fuck? Right. Or the way they interact with one another, right? Wendy's trash talking other people, t- trash talking McDonald's broken ice cream machine, right? Yeah. That's about literally trying to fake authenticity to create some type of virality. The other form of it is people who m- deliberately manufacture viral content. So most of the stuff that you see viral, right? That like someone tweets out about, oh, you know, my boyfriend did this or whatever. A lot of the times that's literally copy and paste from something older. Mm-hmm. I've so seen I'll that. see the same six tweets or whatnot show up every few months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? The guy, the girlfriend tweeting about her boyfriend going and buying tampons, right? The one that my mom did this. Or like, most of them are just co- literally the co- same wording, just copy and paste, right? In other mm-hmm. words, they pretend like it's happening in their life, but in reality, they're only tweeting it for the clout. Yeah. You see a lot of that. And then the most obvious is like the cases of like there's that guy in New York who all he does is faux viral content. It's like this is me preparing for Area 59 and he's like he's in the gym with a samurai sword, right? Or it's him and his friend flicking each other off angrily across the street, right? Yeah. Oh, look, New Yorkers are fighting with one another. But it's just him. It's him creating these scenarios, these kind of silly scenarios over and over again. Um, that then go viral, right? Because people make it because he's literally manufacturing those those scenarios. I forgot what he's called. He's got he's got a name. I mean, there's a lot oh, of them. I mean, come like, to me. We talked about like fuck Jerry Media during the Fire Festival. You know, well, literally, fuck Jerry like, Media is one of them. Yeah, you know, yeah, like they, they, they pretend to do shit at the gym so people. That's could the guy I'm it. talking about. Oh, is it fuck Jerry, fuck Jerry Media? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah he not- did all that type of stuff. Yeah, you yeah, know, and I mean, he literally okay. turned it, you know, he turned it into, into a into a business, you know, like it's it's yeah. uh, it's literally his his uh, it's how it was how Jerry Media makes money right. is just through creating viral content, right? And so, and that's the key, though, right? It's like virality is no longer an organic, spontaneous thing that indicates the democratization of celebrity, right? The democratization mm-hmm. of celebrity was that anyone ordinary could go viral, and when they yeah. went viral, they became famous, even if it was for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Now what we're seeing is that be- going viral is a business. It's a sure. model. And that is the issue, is how something goes from a democratizing influence to a corporatizing influence. That's the problem of social media. This is why the Caroline Calloway situation is so annoying. Not because Caroline Calloway is a fake or a fraud or she was trying to sell a book or whatnot. That stuff is already obvious to us. We mm-hmm. already know that about social media stars. There have been countless exposés about how their lives are actually fake. Many of them themselves have admitted to stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even the toxic components of that relationship are not unusual to anyone. What makes the Caroline Calloway situation is that Natalie wrote about it. Mm-hmm. Is that Natalie wrote about it as if she was the protagonist and everyone bought into Natalie being the protagonist. Yeah, I think everyone wanted In other to words, though, right? I mean, isn't everyone that- wanted yeah. that. That's the key. The fact that she was able to sell that story, her expose of social media is still ground in the same logic that created Caroline Calloway. The very thing that motivated Caroline Calloway, virality, fame, etc., 
the all manufactured, all a narrative that she wrote, it's the same logic that motivates Natalie. She could talk about her trying to heal. She could talk about her trying to expose. But at the end of the day, the reason her article hit and the reason it became popular is because it was this based off of the same neoliberal logic of virality. Let me manufacture authenticity. In this case, let me talk about, whoa, how horrible my life was with my friend. And then let me sell it to the highest bidder, the New Yorker. <laughs> it's the same thing. She didn't write a private journal that then get leaked. She didn't tell some friends. She wrote a story for the New Yorker. And in that story, she took intimate details of her life and intimate details of her friend's life. She added a narrative to it. She gave it some kind of zang and twist and then sold it. It's the same shit. And everyone gobbled it up. That's what makes me so fascinated. Not Caroline Calloway. I'm like, yeah, I already knew about fake Instagram stars. But the fact that Natalie was still able to tell that story tells me that those people who are calling out those fake celebrities are still thinking within that logic of neoliberalism, still thinking within the logic of social media, even in their criticism of social media. So that's what fascinates me. I think this is a good place where we can uh, wrap it up. Uh, and now in a shameless a twist of irony. We're going to tell you to follow us on social media. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are about this podcast, about uh, Caroline Calloway of social media, the kind of transformation of Instagram and, and Twitter. Do you find yourself anxiously tweeting or Instagramming and worrying about likes and retweets and shares and whatnot? Um, do you find that problematic? Do you think that this is an issue? Or do you like, who cares? This is just the next stage in technology. Let us know and Diz will let you know how you can do that. Yeah, you can find us at, on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash currently nerdy. We're on Twitter at currently nerdy, uh, Instagram at currently nerdy, Tumblr, currently nerdy.tumblr.com, YouTube, youtube.com slash currently nerdy. We're on Stitcher, Google Play, and the iTunes podcast app. Please make sure that you're subscribed and you wrote us a five-star review and gave us a five-star rating. Um, and if you want to get a hold of us individually, you can. V, how can they get a hold of you? Find me on Twitter and Instagram at VTran214. That's V-Y-T-R-A-N-214 on my website, thesandwichslayer.com. Ali? You can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at A-A-O-L-O-M-I. Uh, you can check out Instagram for shameless peek behind the curtain of the world of a historian. Uh, on uh, Twitter, you can find my various threads on, on history and whatnot. I just released a new one on the gin that's, that's doing quite well and people are interested, in, so you can check that out. I also just recently uh, published an article with the Washington Post that takes the Trump-Taliban peace talks and puts them in historical context. There's actually going to be another article released in the next couple of days. So if you follow me on uh, uh, Twitter, you'll be able to check that out. Go and uh, go and read it. Let me know what your thoughts are. Or you can find me on my website at alialomi.com. Diz. Um, well, I have some news. We recorded the pilot episode of Currently Nerdy Sports. It's not with YouTube. Yay. So look out for that. That should be coming out soon. Um, but other places you could find me is at Dizbulla, D-I-Z-B-U-L-L-A-H. For everyone here at Currently Nerdy, thank you for tuning in. And remember, stay smart, sexy nerds. All hail the Currently Nerdy Empire. <laughs>